nominees for Best Picture of the Year are Forrest Gump, Wendy Feinerman, Steve Tisch, Steve Starkey, my eyes, producers. Four Weddings and a Funeral, Duncan Kenworthy, producer. Pulp Fiction, Lawrence Bender, producer. Our quiz show, Robert Redford, Michael Jacobs, Julian Cranin, Michael Nozick, producers. The Shawshank Redemption, Nicky Marvin, producer. And the Oscar goes to Welcome to the Pool Scene Podcast, Season 10, for what may be our most challenging episode yet. That is an understatement. If you're listening for the first time, I am Kevin. I'm joined by Jim. Jim, you said you'd seen this movie once. Uh, I probably saw this movie once, probably 20 years ago. I had never seen it. I kind of knew what to expect, but I'd never seen it. Yeah, you kind of know what you're going into right off the bat when you see Hugh Grant in a rom-com. Yeah. The movie that kicks off our banger season, another 1994 movie nominated for Best Picture. It's the fourth out of five that we're going to cover, and it's Four Weddings and a Funeral. Of course, after we've covered all five of the nominees, we're going to have our own award ceremonies. Yes. Following our... Season 10, our banger season, we're going to redo the awards. Four Weddings and a Funeral, a British romantic comedy directed by Mike Newell, who has directed Donnie Brasco and my favorite Harry Potter film, Goblet of Fire. Ooh. The film, I actually think that's wrong. I don't think Goblet of Fire is my favorite one. Goblet of Fire, maybe it is. I don't know anymore. It's been a while. (laughs) They all live together. The film was made in six weeks on a minuscule budget that Jim will give us momentarily and is responsible for giving us huge. Grant on the scale which we have Hugh Grant. Considered one of the greatest films in British history, appearing in the top 25 of many lists. Without stepping on Jim's toes too much, know that the budget was so tight that extras wore their own clothes. And even with that small of a budget, it was an adventure to find the money which came from several sources. I'm going to take a guess. I'm thinking the woman who played Scarlet wore her own shit and Kristen Scott Thomas wore all of her own shit. See, I don't know if they did, but like literally any of the wedding guests in the background Oh. Any of those people. Hugh Grant looked like he wore the same thing for three straight weddings. Yeah. Jim, no promotional sunglasses for this one. Was there any promotional merch? Of our five Best Picture nominees for the year, the only one to not receive acting nominations. Okay. Because the rest of our nominees all had either Best or Supporting. We'll talk about it later, but there's one person in this movie who I think should have got a Supporting Actor nomination. I we'll hope bring it up we later. might be on the same page. Yes. Let us know how lack of promotional sunglasses affected box office and budget. And please give us news and number ones at time of release. Good morning. 
morning. So four weddings and a funeral came out May the 13th, 1994 in the United Kingdom to a whopping $4.4 million budget or in British pounds sterling, 3.6 million pounds. And it made a whopping $245 million. Yeesh. And people paid at the time $4 a ticket to see four weddings and a funeral. Wow. But since this is an English movie, I decided that we should hear some English news. So we're going to throw it to our friends across the pond. This is BBC World News. I'm James Menendez. Our top stories. The number one movie at the time in the United Kingdom was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. So the Brits loved that Jim Carrey. And Finkel they, is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel. They loved that political intrigue that was the Miami Dolphins, Dan Marino, and Snowflake. Number one on top of the pops. Wet, wet, wet. Love is all around. Yeah, there you go. From this movie. Yes. Yeah. This is the wet's at number one. The original version's on the Trog's Greatest Hits album, which is out this week. The guy who wrote it is Reg Presley. He's here. How are you feeling, Reg? Oh, it's really great, Mark, to be here. 27 years after 27 years. And it must still be the summer of love, because here's wet, wet, wet with love is all around. What a star! Thanks. I feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Mm-hmm. Love is all around me. And so the feeling grows. Hit number one on TOTP. And the writer who wrote Love Actually reused the song, changed it to have Christmas lyrics in oh, Love how, Actually. How perfect is that? Mm-hmm. How perfect is that? It all comes together. Kevin, the Channel Tunnel, a 51 kilometer, or for us Americans, 32 mile long rail tunnel beneath the English Channel at the Strait of Dover officially opened, making it easier to cross from England into France at Calais. The Queen said the project is one of the world's greatest technological achievements, but ordinary passengers won't be traveling through it for several months. The actual building of the tunnel proved less difficult than maintaining its finances. It took more than six years to bore the three tunnels that now link Folkestone in Kent to Calais on the French coast. Eleven huge boring machines were used to cut through the chalk marl at a depth of up to 130 feet beneath the seabed. Laser alignment ensured the tunnels met successfully in the middle. Kevin, me and you will appreciate this. Europe's first inverted roller coaster, the Nemesis, opens at Alton Towers. Now, those of you with strong stomachs may be pleased to know that the English Tourist Board is calling this the year of the roller coaster. Nemesis at Alton Towers in Staffordshire, a 10 million pound ride, has technology unique in Europe. The Good Nemesis day. at Alton Towers. The Nemesis at Alton Towers? I'm not sure that might be an arrow. Don't you, hit me positive on that. You keep talking, I'll circle back around. Yes. Kevin, since we're doing four weddings and a funeral, I'm about to give you four weddings and a funeral. What happened around May of 1994? Our first wedding. A very, very notable American. The name might strike you familiar, Kevin. Software salesman Todd Beamer weds Lisa Brocious in Peekskill, New York. Of course, Todd Beamer was on Flight 93 and was one of the guys that stormed the cockpit and took the plane down. Oh. American country singer Trisha Yearwood weds American Roots rock bassist Robert Reynolds. Unfortunately, they divorced in 1999. Kevin, you'll appreciate this one, and I love how this was worded. American actor and Burger King spokesman Dan Cortez yeah. weds 
Dee Dee Hemby. Unfortunately, they divorced in 2012. And Kevin, our fourth and final wedding, the American King of Pop, Michael Jackson, 35, weds King of Rock and Roll, Elvis yep. Presley's daughter, Lisa Marie, 26, and La Romana in the Dominican Republic. So they made that music video together. Yes. Which was, is it You Are Not Alone? I believe that's what it is, yeah. I am here with that one. you. Yeah. You know what's more crazy? That Michael Jackson was 35 years old at the time. Remember when they kissed, and uh, this will come up later, but remember when they kissed at, was it the MTV Music Awards? Yes, it was. And it seemed so staged, like such a publicity stunt. At that point, Michael Jackson just did not want to be in a public limelight no, anymore. He was over it. I don't think he could kiss with all his artificial his nose face. was going to fall off. And Kevin won, notable funeral of note. We've brought it up in the past, and I would be remiss not to bring it up here. Ayrton Senna dies in a crash at San Marino Grand Prix on May the 1st. He was only 34 years old, the former three-time F1 World Drivers Champion, 88, 90, and 91, went right into Tamburello Corner and passed on, which changed Formula One in safety and motorsports forever. Back here, Kevin. George wants to be a part of season 10. Hey, George, what's up? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael, and welcome to The Sports Machine. In sports, Kevin, Hulk Hogan joins World Championship Wrestling and kindles his love of sushi. We've been waiting for fans all over the world, thousands of them here at Disney MGM Studios, as Hulk Hogan makes his way for the official signing of his contract with WCW. Wow. <laughs> Shouldn't have ate that sushi. Brother. <laughs> what the Every time I see sushi, it's the porn shot I go back to. And also the Utah Jazz, Kevin, take a 3-0 lead over the Denver Nuggets with a 111-109 win in the 1994 Western Conference semifinals. And the last bit of news, Kevin, we're going to throw it over to our friends, our nostalgia friends, the store that will never die in our hearts, our minds, our souls. Toys R Us! Project Reality is now named the Nintendo Ultra 64. And with an eye to the future, tomorrow begins today. Nintendo, the world's leader in video games, has joined forces with Silicon Graphics, the world's leader in visual computing, to introduce the most exhilarating, breathtakingly realistic 3D video entertainment ever witnessed. Project Reality. Leagues beyond any currently available or anticipated hardware, Project Reality will bring to home video players the same types of astounding visual effects seen in movies, like Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. When this technology is made interactive, players won't just watch their TV screens, they'll dive headfirst right through them. Ultra 64. Now, you remember that's what it was going to be named. They all had a, a code name. Which one was, was it GameCube? One of them was Project Dolphin. That was GameCube? Yeah. I wouldn't have minded if Nintendo just stuck with Ultra 64, even though N64 just worked out really well. Yeah. Even though, I mean, controversial take here, I think the N64 is the worst Nintendo system. You're such a troll about so many things. But how am I a troll? Because the N64 is actually awesome. And I think... I look as what will hold up 
that does not hold up much anymore. There's only like a, a handful of games that hold up for that system. There's better Nintendo systems. It's yeah, not counting I, the Virtual I, Boy. I think that I sucked. probably do have a, a fair bit of nostalgia because I was like in middle school when it came out. So there were a lot of like parties where we played Goldeneye oh, and some of the no mercy. games. No Mercy. Oh, yeah. It didn't matter that out of a thousand games, only a hundred were any good. See, those are the only games I will still play for it. But the rest of the catalog is like, oh, like Super Mario 64 was a revelation. It's like, holy shit, what an awesome game. The systems cable is so much more. And then I'm just like, eh. Then again, at the time, Nintendo probably should have went with CDs and a cartridge. Well, true. I It's funny because somebody, I just saw somebody tweeted today, and I wish I could give them credit, but they were like, Mario 64 kind of freaks me out because where is everybody? Yeah. They're like, shouldn't there be just a bunch of other people somewhere? Like, just a big world. You just run around and there's no one. I love that game, though. It's great. When that came out, that was... 120 stars. Yes. I don't know if I could get back into it and remember we're all 120 were i did it a couple times there were a couple that were like real hidden because like oh, yeah. a lot of people i knew had like 117 and uh but it did the you hold the the z trigger and you do the triple jump and you do the backflips and stuff that's pretty awesome you know what i would do challenge any kid right now to hook an n64 up to a 13 inch tv and play four person golden eye well i don't even know if they can hook it up oh that's a good point what is this a cable what am i supposed to do here it's not wireless i don't just uh yeah connect through the wi-fi that's right it's kind of crazy but kevin that's all that was going on start of season 10 may 13th over in england one nine nine four so it's funny that there was so much trouble getting together the relatively small amount that was for the budget oh yeah because once the initial reaction was good in america like they got good reviews and stuff the film's distributor put 11 million dollars into additional marketing so almost four times the entire budget so they couldn't get the budget together but it was like oh this is good like we're gonna pump a bunch of money in now i will say though for this movie with it being a romantic comedy it does not have the repeat watchability like you said like love actually you could watch that again and again he's written some other movies and and mike newell movies and stuff yeah i i'm i'm pretty good you know i don't really need to go back i'm sure there are people and and if you're one of them please reach out but i'm sure there's people who are like i absolutely love four weddings and a funeral nothing wrong with that no there's nothing wrong it's just not our cup of tea no exactly i mean we've been doing it's it's better than grind we've been doing we did broken arrow last week you know and we've got some bangers coming oh yeah so it's weird this season's starting off on a weird foot but it's gonna get awesome if you like what we do on this oh, podcast you're gonna love this season i love this season. special season everybody we might not even stop at 10 this might be a super stop this might be like a 15 20 episode we'll season see. let's say i do to the plot oh fuck fuck That makes no sense. That's great. Come on. (laughs) Our film opens with everyone arriving at the wedding of Angus and Laura. The movie takes place mostly in England. I think it's all in England except for one scene in Scotland. Yes. Our protagonist, Bachelor Charles, is the best man of Angus. At the reception, Charles has a love at first sight type of moment with an American named Carrie. Great hat. Thanks. I bought it specially. They end up spending the night together. After the wedding, though, she has to go back to the U.S. Wrong choice, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if this were 2022, I'd say... I'm staying here. Stay there. Three months later, Charles attends the wedding of Bernard and Lydia, and once again sees Carrie. However, Carrie's now engaged to a Scottish man named Hamish. One strange thing is thinking you'll um, never sleep with anyone else. You don't think you'll be unfaithful? No, not once I'm married. 
I told Hamish I'll kill him if he does, so I guess I better stick to that. Charles is devastated and to add insult to injury is roasted by his exes at the reception while trying to escape the roasting Charles gets trapped in a room where Bernard and Lydia are consummating their marriage that was great oh we better be getting back oh we could just wait a few minutes and have another go you naughty naughty little rabbit found it However, despite her engagement, the night ends with Charles and Carrie spending it together again. A month later, Charles runs into Carrie and helps her select a wedding dress. He unsuccessfully professes his love for her. I mean, obviously not because I am just some kid who's only slept with nine people, but I, I just wondered, uh, I really feel, um, uh, in short, uh, to recap in a slightly clearer version, uh, in the words of David Cassidy, in fact, um, while he was still with the Partridge family. Uh, I think I love you. And uh, I, I uh, just wondered whether by any chance you wouldn't like to, um, uh, uh, no, 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 of course not. Um, I'm an idiot. <laughs> He's not. Excellent, excellent, fantastic. I'm so, so, uh, lovely to see you. Sorry to disturb. Better get on. One month after that, along with his friends, Charles attends Carrie's wedding, which, as we said, is in Scotland. While at the wedding, their friend Gareth dies of a heart attack. Oh, yeah. Sucked. It sucks. At the funeral, Matthew reads the poem Funeral Blues. It turns out that Gareth and Matthew have been secretly a couple for a while. I think it worries Charles about the prospect of being alone. Fast forward another 10 months, it's Charles who's getting married. At first, like, they keep it a secret who it is. You don't yeah. know who he's marrying. You just find out that it's Charles who's getting married. They put the 100 alarms because he has a history of being late. So they put, like, 100 alarms out. The bride is revealed to be his ex, Henrietta. Oh, fuck. Suck face. Yes, exactly. Right before the wedding begins, Carrie arrives and tells Charles that her and Hamish have separated. Go the fuck home. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He's having a crisis, but decides to go forward with marrying Henrietta until the vicar asks him. He asks the whole like, speak now or forever Never hold, hold your, your peace. peace. Charles's deaf brother interrupts and asks Charles to translate. He wants me to translate what he's saying. What is he saying? He says, I suspect the groom is having doubts. Great moment. Great moment, but couldn't Charles have just not translated what no. his brother said? He literally just did it verbatim. He did it verbatim, and it, his brother says Charles loves someone else. Charles agrees. Henrietta punches him in the face on the altar. Rightfully so. Yes, rightfully so. Carrie arrives at Charles's house to apologize because she feels responsible for breaking up his wedding. He tells her he's loved her since the first time he saw her and that he's afraid of marriage, but he makes a lifelong commitment to her to which she says, I do. First, l let me ask you one thing. Do you think after we've dried off, after we've spent lots more time together, you might agree not to marry me. And do you think not being married to me might maybe be something you could consider doing for the rest of your life? Do you? I do.
We then see photos at the very end of who all the friends end up with. And we see that Carrie and Charles have a baby. Such a weird way to end that movie. It is. It's kind of like the title cards with like... To me, it seems like we ran out of budget. So just snap the pictures. Probably. Uh, or we ran out of time because it's already two hours. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the baby thing later. But for now, let's talk about characters. Hugh Grant as Charles. They auditioned over 70 actors before casting Grant. Kevin, do you have all 70? I do. I'm yes! going to read them now. We have Flugel, <laughs> McGonagall. We have Tim Robbins. Slut Benwalla. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Uh, auditioned 70 actors. Hugh Grant was considering retirement. He literally was like, acting's not going to work out for me. I'm going to throw the towel in. And then he did the stupid stammering, look at me, I'm yes. cute, but I'm also witty thing. Yeah, he does. Worked. Yes. He does the exact same thing in like every movie. He was dating Elizabeth Hurley at the time. Uh, that helped. So probably <laughs> cast him because they were like, wait, is uh, she coming, coming she to come every day? <laughs> you want some coffee? Yes. Andy McDowell is Carrie. Marissa Tomei turned it down. Sarah Jessica Parker was considered. She would have been Carrie. Yes. She would have been Carrie again. Again. Yeah. McDowell took a 75% pay cut because she loved the script. And then good karma ensued because she got it back from her box office cut after the success. So in movies like this that are low budget, you'll give box office points back to the actors for them to oh, sign yeah. on. And man, that worked out because a $3 million movie made basically $250 million. And the funny thing is though, she was probably the second most popular actor in this movie. Yeah. Where you're going to get to another name. I'm like, that dude's the most popular. Before Groundhog Day? This After. was... I thought Groundhog Day was shit. I don't know when Groundhog Day was. I'm going to look. You talk. Our namesake girl, Phoebe Cates, auditioned. Aww. And she suggested to the producers that they should cast Tim Roth as Charles, which... This came out after Groundhog Day. Okay. I can totally see Tim Roth as Charles. Oh, definitely. I can see that too. James Fleet as Tom. Simon Callow as Gareth. John Hanna as Matthew. Kristen Scott Thomas as Fiona. David Bauer as David. Charlotte Coleman as Scarlett. Timothy Walker is Angus. Sarah Crow is Laura. Rowan Atkinson is Father Gerald. The most, probably the number one actor in this movie had the least role yeah. in it. When he did. He's Mr. Bean. And he officiated two weddings in this movie. Oh. Only because of a budget thing. Because really? they were like, we don't want to hire another actor to have speaking lines. So we're just going to have him just shoot two. And I think two. it stole the movie. It, it was great. David Haig is Bernard Delaney. Sophie Thompson is Lydia Hibbett. Warren Redgrave is Hamish Banks, Anna Chancellor as Henrietta, Rupert Van Sittart as George. Which actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? See, for me, this was hard to narrow it down just one because Charlie's group of friends, they mine, all... Mine was an uh, immediate standout. I knew exactly. All are great. If I had to pick one, it's Matthew. Gareth used to prefer funerals to weddings. He said it was easier to get enthusiastic about a ceremony one had an outside chance of eventually being involved in. In order to prepare this speech, I rang a few people to get a general picture of how Gareth was regarded by those who met him. Fat seems to have been a word people most connected with him. Terribly rude also rang a lot of bells. So very fat and very rude seems to have been the stranger's viewpoint. On the other hand, some of you have been kind enough to ring me and let me know that you loved him which I know he would have been thrilled to hear. You remember his fabulous hospitality? His strange experimental cooking? The recipe for duck a la banana 
unfortunately goes with him to his grave. I think Matthew is the best. Yeah. I think he should have got a best supporting actor nod. So because I think he of was the tremendous. funeral scene? So good. Yeah. So I have his counterpart, Simon Callow as Gareth. Dear old things, as you know, I've always been proud that there's not a wedding ring between the lot of us. If the passing of the years, it's suddenly beginning to distress me. I'd like to go to the wedding of someone I really loved for a change. Well, don't blame me. I've asked practically everyone I know. You've lost me. Have I? Oh. Or Scarlet? Would you like to? No, thank you. It was very nice of you to ask. Well, uh, any time. Quite right, Tom. Quite right. That's the spirit. Now, tonight, these are your orders. Go forth and conjugate. Find husbands and wives. Gareth is fucking Gareth amazing. Gareth is awesome at all the weddings. Like, he's just like, go marry somebody. Like, now, go. I'm going to plead complete ignorance here. I had no idea him and Matt were a couple. Yeah, it was. I didn't know until the end when they were doing the, the clip pictures. I, and I'm like, Matt's yes, gay? Right. No, I I thought Gareth was Matt's dad. I could see that. And yeah. I, my notes were written until I started doing the research to, like, clean up the, the notes for the podcast. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Because I didn't even catch it in the movie until, like you either. said, the end credits. Like, I'm like, he's gay now? Or he was. He came out? I'm like, he came out because his dad died. But no, it's not his dad. That it's, was his love. It was his lover. It never seemed to be at all. They yeah. were all just seemed to be best friends. It might have just been some of the British. Maybe that's why it's we're disconnected. Like, yeah. Yeah. And like maybe some of the words. It so. makes perfect sense then. Yeah. So we both, we have a couple. We have yeah. uh, Gareth and Matthew. So let's uh, move on to best scenes. Kevin, you go first. Uh, the first wedding. So you and I have both worked a lot of weddings. Oh, you, yes. you as a DJ, me as a videographer. Oh, yes. And there are a lot of little details that like you can tell. So the guy who wrote this was invited to like 30 weddings in two years. So yeah, he definitely knew. So he attended all these weddings and like you can, you can see it because it's like not knowing what to say to people in the greeting line and like these other little details and moments. That's what it's like to be at a wedding. Oh God, I never know what to say in these wretched lineups. It's Just give him a big warm hug and say the bride looks pregnant. Well, you could stick with tradition and go for you must be very proud. Never preserve us. You must be very proud. I've avoided the greeting line when I've been oh, a guest. I'm like, I don't need to. Yeah, even like people I know well, I'm just kind of like, hello, hello. Oh, and then hello, the, uh, hello. the bride or groom's parents that you've never met and all that. And then so. the bride and groom got to take time out of their day to go, by the way, mom and dad, this is Jim. Yeah. He's one of our best friends. And what do you expect them to say? Yeah. Oh, hello. Yeah, well, They're not English, British, but yeah. yeah. And then Charles's uh, charming best man speech. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry to drag you from your delicious desserts. Uh, there are just one or two little things I feel I should say as best man. This is only the, the second time I've, I've ever been a best man. I, I hope I did the job all right that time. The couple in question are at least still talking to me. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, they're, they're not actually um, talking to each other. The, the, the divorce came through a couple of months ago. <laughs> but uh, I'm assured it had absolutely nothing to do with me. Apparently, Paula knew that Piers had slept with her younger sister before I mentioned it in the speech. <laughs>
Oh, that's great. He's, I feel like that's like, that's one. So of I know that when he auditioned, when Hugh Grant auditioned, he actually used a tape of a best man speech for like, some, like a real tape where he was someone's best man. So I feel like that's what got him the job because that whole charming speech kind of just this real Hugh Grant charm. Uh, 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 the, he does yeah, a lot of yes. that stammering and when he, he gets back to the, uh, the sheep or whatever yeah. he says. And it's, it's pretty good. It's, Everybody, he's laughing it's good even though if you were unfamiliar with like british humor or hugh grant you'd be like what the fuck is this yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna combine my first two into one it's mr bean being mr bean oh my name's fiona uh, i'm gerald what do you do i'm training to be a priest good lord do you do weddings no no not yet i will though of course jolly nerve-wracking yes Rather like the first time one has sex. Um, well, well, I suppose so. They're rather less messy, of course, and far less called for condoms. <laughs> Perfect, Mr. Bean. And then he talks about, you know, they ask him, have you officiated your first wedding? And he says, no, I'm still learning to be a full-on priest. And then when he does his first wedding, he can't get the names right. Why, I... Bernard Godfrey St. John Delaney. Why, I, Bernard Jeffrey St. John Delaney, may not be joined in matrimony to Lydia John Hibbert. May not be joined in matrimony to Lydia Jane Hibbert. Lydia, repeat after me. I do solemnly declare. I do solemnly declare. That I know not of any lawful impediment. I know not of any lawful impediment. Why I, Lydia Jane Hibbert. Why I, Lydia Jane Hibbert. May not be joined in matrimony. May not be joined in matrimony. To Bernard Geoffrey Sigil Delaney. To Bernard Geoffrey Sinjin Delaney. He confuses the genders. Yeah. And then he ends it off with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Bravo! Spirit. <laughs> but what makes it is you look at Charlie's group of friends, they're all sitting together in the back. They're fucking losing it. Gareth, love Gareth. Oh, Gareth. He so loses great at it all with his everything, laughing when they're his ass singing off. the acoustic guitar couple. And you just see him like pointing yeah. guns he's like enough <laughs> i thought at one point when they were completely obliterated drunk which maybe this is also an english thing when the bride and groom leave yeah that's normally time it's we're done here but the party keeps going yeah when those acoustic players are up on stage and gareth is drunk i'm waiting for him to grab a guitar like john belushi oh, yeah. and smash it yeah but yeah that was i love rowan atkinson and that's why i said i think he's probably your number one most famous person in this movie because of who he was in england is mr b mm -hmm. after they spend the night together so when carrie and charles they have sex oh, uh, yeah. they spend the whole night it's kind of a weird love scene because it's just a lot of like close-up cross sections of she like, makes the move on him yeah of them touching each other's skin and stuff well he was going to stay at a castle with his friends it, yeah and then he came back to where she was staying because like he gets drunk because he's thought that she's gone he blew it 
and he blew it. But then she comes up to him and she, he's like, Oh, you're still here. And she says, yeah. And she says, where are you staying? This is where I'm staying. So finally goes to her room. They go in, they, you know, make love all night long, but in the morning she's getting dressed and she's talking about going to the U S and she makes Charles believe that they're now engaged. When were you thinking of announcing the engagement? Sorry, who's, who's engagement? Ours. I assume since we slept together and everything, we'd be getting married. What did you think? What? I, um... Oh, gosh, oh, you know, that, that's, um... It takes a lot of thinking about that kind of thing. I, uh, obviously, I'm... Uh, I'm You're joking. <laughs> God, uh, for a moment there, I, I thought I was in fatal attraction. I, I thought you were getting close and I was going to get home and find my pet rabbit on the stairs. <sighs> it's pretty funny because at first I like... It seems serious, too. I I'm like, she's seen a the, nut. I haven't seen the movie, so I kind of was like, wait, is that where this movie's going? Yeah. Is like they're going to be engaged because of some weird religious custom she has or something? But no, she just... Uh, but he covers it, too. He's yeah. like, I thought this was a, a fatal attraction. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I thought it was, too, if you're unfamiliar with it. So my next one, you brought up Charlie's best man speech. It's Tom's best man speech. When Bernard told me he was getting engaged to Lydia, I, I congratulated him because all his other girlfriends had been such complete dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Although, may I say how, how, how delighted we are to have so many of them here this evening. <laughs> I'm particularly delighted to see Camilla, who, who, who uh, many of you will probably remember uh, as the first person Bernard asked to marry him. If I remember rightly, she told him to uh, sort off. Mm. Where he gets incredibly oh my God. legit awkward. I and I, you see Burner just. I look love at him it like, so much because they ask him. He's walking through, and oh. they're like, "How's the speech going?" And he's like, "Got some realism, and some laughter in it, and <laughs> some seriousness, some make you cry." Holy shit! He lays everything out there yeah, about it, how Bernard couldn't meet anybody and they he was having sex oh, and it's, it's just real good pointing people out left and right. Have you ever been to a wedding? I've been to weddings where the, the best man speech gets awkward and you're just like, why isn't somebody on the day just be like, grab the fucking microphone and get yeah, out of there? Yes. it. I mean, for the pool seniors who don't know, Jim's best man speech at my wedding is probably the most legendary best man speech yeah, ever. It was pretty much just uh, thanks for coming out. But let's put some backstory. First off, drunk. Second of all, your sister-in-law had this most elegant three-page speech. I had something perfect. She hit that, and I was so drunk at the time, I just cut to the chase. Yeah. And yeah. people remember that. Well, Jim, I have a nice speech planned for you. It's great. Be, we got uh, t-shirts in the back. <laughs> promote uh, the podcast. Yeah. yeah. We'll do a the, podcast live at go. the wedding reception. I'm sure uh, whoever you marry will be very pleased with that. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that is great. I love, I laughed at that scene. Oh, that was actually so really funny. So Charles has a deaf brother named David. Yes. And so Charles runs into Carrie and she's like, she doesn't have a home. Yeah. Cause she's like, do you have a half hour? And he's like, sure. He's like, I can be a little late. I'm just meeting with my brother. He goes with her to select wedding dress and whatever time gets away from him. Cause he's in love. 
and he takes Carrie to meet David. Well, David signs, he uses sign language, and Carrie doesn't know what she's saying. And essentially, they're talking about how her fiance is a penis and how she has nice breasts. Yeah. And how didn't you sleep with her? It's very hilly. It's very yeah, hilly. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, Carrie, this is uh, David, my brother. Um... Hi. Just telling him about um, uh, you marrying Hamish, and he said it couldn't have happened to a nicer fellow, so that's nice. I like David a lot, so he's really good. If I wouldn't have picked Gareth, I would have picked David for the best character. So my next one, and it made me think of the first Clerks movie, Carrie just nonchalantly listing off 33 people who she's fucked. Yes. First one, of course, not easily forgotten. It's kind of nice. Two, Harry back. Three, four, five, five, six. Was on my birthday in my parents' room. Which birthday? 17th. Oh, but we only reached 17. Well, you know, I grew up in the country, lots of rolling around in haystacks. 32. It's lovely. And then my fiance, that's 33. Wow. So, so I uh, came after your fiance? No, you were 32. And all I could hear was Dante going, I'm 37! Something like. What? Something like 36? Who are you, boys? What is that anyway, something like 36? Does that include me? Um, 37. I'm 37? Going to class. Oh, my God. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks. In a row? That's what I thought. She was so nonchalant. Meanwhile, Hugh Grant's just sitting there, and you find out later, he's only slept with nine people. Yeah, but it's... I like it, though, because... She remembers everything, like dick size, yeah. the way the sex was, yeah. the ugly of the guy. against the fence. Yeah, he had a small dick. Yeah, but I like that David almost is, or not David, Charles is still so infatuated with her. He doesn't care. That he doesn't care, and he's like almost not even hearing her because he's just so focused on her. Here's the weird thing. The early 90s, the 80s, the 90s, AIDS was, and HIV were the big prevalent talking points. I'm thinking if I was Charlie, I'd be like, should I get tested after this? stuff because jesus christ she's just laying it all out there plus here's my issue well it was like she had slept with it was like nine or 12 or something by the time she was like 17 it's like oh my where were her fucking parents apparently she has no home because she has no parents to watch her this is what i don't get too you know annie mcdowell is i think just charming i don't see her as that character in this movie like no. she didn't need to be like yes. somebody who slept around mm -hmm. no that i annie mcdowell's great but i just feel like if they were casting the the not the term I'd use, but the term they use in the movie, which is a slut. Yeah. If they were casting a slut, it just seems like they would want more of like someone who has a, a history of being like playing like a party girl or I something. I mean, look at her. How like she wasn't control. Yeah. Oh, perfect. You know, play have Kim control in it. Yeah. Know? Or Sally Kellerman or something. That's yeah. a long reach, but <laughs> I'm probably meant too old at the, who do you got next? Uh, that's, that's pretty much all I got for best scenes. What do you, do you still have? I just have one. It's, okay. it's Matthew's eulogy oh, funeral blues. Oh, wow. I mean, it's to the point where you start getting choked up because I, I felt it. So the, the most devastating part for me, and it reminded me of the big chill. 
Yes, it but did. the part that bummed me out, and I so we're we got to cover the big chill at some point. Uh, yeah, it's my second favorite it movie. It still of all time. bums me out that they. I so not to go on a tangent, but I was reading about how Kevin Costner's responsible for Bull Durham happening mm-hmm. because it wasn't going to happen, and Kevin Costner basically threatened to walk. He was like, "I'm signed on. If you guys want me, you find it." Anyway, Kevin Costner was in the big chill. You only see his arm and his wrist yeah, in the opening credits, but originally he had a scene or. A, and the they, very beginning they thought it was better if you didn't see him and then he which i still can't wrap my head around still a great movie so anyhow so matthew is in the wedding watching it might be it's their speeches mm-hmm. it's carrie's speech it's hamish's speech thanking everyone and matthew's standing in a doorway just watching he's it and nowhere enjoying it. near what happened with gareth yeah gareth just falls you know gareth keels over the be upstaged by this woman for the rest of my life. Oh dear, is that some barracking at the back? Again, something we politicians are used to. <laughs> find, a, find a doctor. Right. Uh, okay. They carry him into, which is probably against medical advice, yeah. but they carry him into like a bedroom. Which, quick logic, why did nobody else not notice? Well, exactly. And, and that's like a big issue is like no one see, like no one, it doesn't interrupt anything. No. It's still just like everybody goes I mean, Matt on, didn't nobody, even know, even no. though he was on the upside Well, of the that's hall. the part that devastates me is that Charles comes and gets Matt and it's, it, there's no sound and you just hear music. and you can tell he's saying Gareth is dead. It's like devastating because then it just transitions directly into the funeral. And it makes you wonder in the way he recited funeral blues. It's as if he kicks himself and he asks for not being there when yes. he died. Right. Pick your favorite of his waistcoats and remember him that way. The most splendid, replete, big hearted, weak hearted as it turned out. And jolly bugger most of us ever made. And maybe that was the sign to say, oh, they were together. Yeah, right. Maybe that's why. You know, and he says the message, which is remember him full of joy and stuff because he was. Oh, I mean, he was He great. was the life of the party. Even in the serious moments of this movie, when you needed his laugh, like Tom's yeah. best man speech, Garrett's the only one laughing yeah. his ass off. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. It was so good. The acoustic people. It's Gareth. Yeah. So it was such a great casting. Yeah. What a Motley crew, you know? I and, know. And like, we didn't even talk Kristen about. Kristen Scott Thomas. We didn't even talk about how, yeah, how, you know, she's in love with. Charlie. With Charlie. And he doesn't know. It's always been you. Since first we met. Though so many years ago. I knew the first moment. Across a crowded room. Lawn, in fact. Doesn't matter. Nothing either of us can do on this one. Such is life. He just disregards it, though. Yeah, he like, well, he has to because he's like, why after all this time? Like, why? Why now? You know, what's amazing. She spills the beans at Carrie's wedding right before Gareth dies. Yeah, Scarlett tells the little girl that she's not interested in the guys that are interested in her. Have you got a boyfriend? Yes. What's his name? Tough. He's good at table tennis. What about you? Nah, afraid not. Why not? I don't know. Because most of the blokes I fancy think I'm stupid and pointless. And so they just bunk me and then leave me. 
and the kind of blokes that do fancy me, I think, are drips. I can't be bothered to bump them, which does sort of leave me a bit nowhere. What's bonking? Well, it's kind of like table tennis. Except if you're a giant Texan. Yeah, exactly. No, it is. Yeah, it's finally professor. It's just like random, too. Just it's kind of just like, because I love you. And he's like, what? And she kind of is like embarrassed. She goes in the bedroom. She turns her back to him. I notice... And maybe it's a British thing. There's a lot of like weird eye contact scenes in this movie. Andy McDowell a lot when she's delivering her lines to Charles, she'll be looking down and she'll use looking up and making eye contact as like a traumatic effect. But it's the same thing with when she professes her love to Charles is that she like turns her back and she can't make eye contact. with. And then when you do a zoom in on John Travolta's face before his heel turn (laughs) and he punches Riley in the face. Yes. One of these big fancy houses that they have a wedding at, I'm sure has a swimming pool, but we don't don't see anybody go swimming but i'm certain one of them's got a pool oh for fuck's sake get in a goddamn pool they swim obviously in the 1920s like the, they do the, the pants or whatever yeah, pantaloons the, yeah all right for the season nine finale broken arrow we built an action movie this week i guess it only makes sense that we build a romantic comedy Mm-hmm. So kind of the same thing. If you listen last week, a romantic leads. So it doesn't necessarily have to be male, female. It can be male, male, female, yeah, male, female, whatever, female, whatever, whatever. So two uh, romantic leads They're all the rom-coms. They all have friends. Oh yeah. They always have like the supporting friend characters, the setting, and then kind of like the plot, which will include like the meet cute. Big part of romantic comedies is the meet cute. So explain to the people real quick what a meet cute is. A meet cute is in a romantic comedy or any movie. It doesn't have to be a romantic comedy, just like a, a circumstance that brings the characters together. Like in a grocery store, they both grab the same pie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. And then they look in each other's eyes and realize they're in love or, you know, they're in a bar playing darts and a dart sticks in the guy's head. And then she lights up a dart. And then she lights up a dart. She says, grip them and rip them. <laughs> so, so this time we're going to break it down. Male lead, female lead, supporting actor, actress, setting me cute and then the plot so my male lead kevin you'll appreciate this i have joe manganello is mitch oh nice yes you even gave him a name i get i gave everybody names big dick richie that's right big dick mitchy in this one right my male lead is robert pattinson so he's been in at least one romantic comedy called remember me and twilight where spoiler alert the end of the movie is september 11th he's in an office Uh, looks over and you see a plane about to make direct contact with them. So my romantic comedy will not play take place nor end with being killed by a terrorist. All right. My female lead actress, Jessica Chastain plays Nicole. She's going to be Mitch's inevitable love interest within this romantic comedy. I just like her range. She's done action movies. Same with Manganello. Done action movies, but when they do comedic roles, they are really good at what they do. Well, I maybe we'll get into it with your plot, but what age are they? They are, are real they life. playing their own age. They're ages? playing their own age. Joe Manganello, I believe, is 45, and Jessica Chastain's like 42, 43. Okay. So yeah, they're their ages. Okay. So everything's genuine. Two very beautiful single people. Yes, they are. My female lead is Zendaya. Ooh. So she's terrific actress. She would kill this role. I think Robert Pattinson and Zendaya together. I'm like, that would put some butts in seats. I agree too. So my best supporting actor will be the brother of Mitch. His name 
is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. So I did something different. I did the man who was going to be Robin I, in Batman. I kind of love it, though, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is like a little guy. He's littler. Man- is his brother, who's he, like a big... Yes, he could play freak, freak. He could play straight laced, but he can also be humorous. He's in Thirty Rock, for God's sake. Yes, but I like that. Not Thirty Rock. Third Rock from the Sun. Close enough. Drop a zero. So I did my supporting actor and actress together. So Pattinson's best friend is Andrew Garfield. Zendaya's best friend is Saoirse Ronan. Oh, I think that would be. I kind of got a crush on Saoirse Ronan. Yeah, Andrew Garfield's British, which freaks me out always. Now is he British? Does he stay with his no. British act? Okay, he's gonna no, be American. I, they're actor. all American. Okay. So it's funny because I cast three non-Americans. How would that now think about the perception? A lot of people are familiar with Andrew Garfield. He was Spider-Man. Yeah. Everything, unless you watch interviews, American perception is that he is an American yeah. actor. What if he was British in this? People would be so mind blown. Oh, he's British. Yeah. He could be. I mean, he wouldn't matter as much. Pattinson has to be American. Zendaya is American. Saoirse Ronan, if she were... She's Scottish. Yeah, but if she were Scottish, then I wouldn't have Garfield be British. So it's like if one of them was going to be their nationality, it couldn't be both of them. Now, Kevin, here's a curveball. See what you think about this. My best supporting actress is the sister to Nicole, Avril Lavigne. I'm going to give her her first major role. She plays Penny. That's my little homage to lost she is going to help with alex set up mitch and nicole all right i dig it well something different a little avril lavigne plus she can contribute a song or two to the soundtrack you save money i'm with you oh, uh, that <laughs> took me a second setting anywhere usa maybe milwaukee or midwest you know milwaukee is a algonquin for the good land milwaukee yeah so just kind of anywhere usa small town our frame of reference is the rust belt so maybe even a rust belt town i got a little bit more specific the setting is minneapolis during the winter time Okay. So it's going to be very cold, very sheltered, probably because I just watched Grumpy Old Men when I was creating this. So I was like, okay, I kind of like this setting for a rom-com. So we're going Minneapolis during the dead of winter. Okay. So my meet cute is going to be contained within my plot. So I'll just go ahead and well, give you the whole smash. Well, same here too. Okay. My meet cute as well. So Robert Pattinson inherited a bowling alley which he also secretly lives in. His father passed away, bowling alley. All right. His best friend is Andrew Garfield, who is trying to make it as an actor. Zendaya and Saoirse Ronan come into bowl, and I think maybe they have some sort of problem with their lane. All right. And for some reason, I see like a scene where he comes over to help them like fix their ball return or something, and Zendaya drops a bowling ball on his foot. Fix his ball return, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, drops a bowling ball on his foot. So that's their meet cute. I think there's an element where all of our main characters want more from Robert Pattinson. So he's smart. He has immense potential. But like he gave up on all of his dreams to keep this bowling alley running because his dad's dream was to own this bowling alley. So he feels responsibility. Yes. So his dad died and, you know, everybody was like, the bowling alley can just close it's just a bowling alley and he's like no it's dad's bowling alley so zendaya has a work thing and she has to go to la and she wants in enough times past now where she wants him to come but there's no one to stay and run the bowling alley so he doesn't go and that's kind of like the end of it i think the resolution is maybe cliche 
But Robert Pattinson's mom, Bonus, is played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Ooh. Convinces him. Catwoman. Yeah. Convinces him that his dad would be proud of him, but would want him to forge his own path. All right. He wouldn't want him to just live, like, literally. He needs the nudge. Yeah. He shows up at Zendaya's work in LA and explains that he sold the bowling alley for a huge amount of money to a developer who wants to use the space for luxury apartments. His friend Andrew Garfield got cast in a major motion picture, and he even got our pats a small part. So that's why he's in LA. It gave him a reason to be in LA. So he's going to see where that goes, the acting thing, while he decides what he wants to do with his life. And I'm sure there's a scene maybe earlier in the movie takes place in his makeshift bowling alley bedroom where he tells Zendaya what his dream is. You know, I want to build miniature, you know, popsicle stick art or something. (laughs) So we see that that scene earlier in the movie. All right. And I was worried that mine was too in-depth. That was really good. Now I'm worried that mine's not in-depth enough. No, it's going to be good. So here's my plot. My meat cute is within it. Mitch, played by Joe Manganiello, is getting divorced after his wife suddenly leaves him. Okay. Mitch also has an eight-year-old daughter named Mackenzie. His brother, Alex, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is trying to help his brother by setting him up on dates. Alex, who is single himself, is also dating. He meets Penny Avril Lavigne, who is a struggling esthetician. Okay. Why not? Struggling. She's struggling. You know, that esthetician market right now is kind of down. They become close and he explains that his brother is newly single and needs to find the best woman for him, for him and his daughter. That glass slipper because he's got a big dog. He's got a huge dog. Big Dick Richie. She suggests that he meet her sister, Nicole. Nicole is a financial advisor who also dabbles in stand-up comedy to spice up her mundane life. So she does like open mic nights every now and then, but she kind of keeps it like to herself. That's her own world. Yeah. She gives herself to the financial world. This is her own thing. So I appreciate that. Mitch is worried because he doesn't want someone who won't love his daughter. It's a package. Oh, yeah, that's Mitch reluctantly agrees to do the date. Like he's like, fine, Alex, if you'll just stop bothering me, we'll do it. Nicole and Mitch agree to meet at a restaurant name. It could just be a generic restaurant, maybe even Applebee's. That's fine. Mitch gets there early and decides to give himself a pep talk in the bathroom. Why did this is because every wedding before I would DJ, I'd give myself a pep talk (laughs) in the bathroom by myself. So it's a little piece of me that went into this but the problem is there's only one bathroom it's a unisex one so he goes in and starts getting confident like you know what what can go wrong i'm the man you know nicole shows up and wonder if she is early as well or she's being stood up she also decides to go into the bathroom to powder up here's the meat cute mitch is taking a pish when all of a sudden nicole barges in catching mitch off guard and scares the shit out of him in the scare mitch forgets he has the dog and pony show hanging out and nicole gets all bashful and apologizes in leaves of it. She proceeds to go to the table and wait. About a minute or two later, Mitch heads to another table. They both think they have been stood up. So they separately head out of the restaurant upset. I mean, granted, I think I yeah. would be too. Both get on their phones and lay into Alex and Penny respectively. Nicole saying, how could she? How could you set me up with this kind of guy? Look, he stood me up. What kind of a piece of shit is he? How can you trust Alex? You don't even know him that long. I know you guys are getting along, but look what happens. Mitch is pissed and he's calling Alex on the phone that he agreed to, you know, get roped into this. He didn't want to do it. He had his reservations. He decided I'm going to take a chance and it backfired. Nicole says, well, her comic side comes out. At least she has material for a stand-up set because she saw a naked dude in the bathroom. Mitch overhears her talking and says, excuse me? And then we go from there. Okay. So then, you know, they start dating. 
They fall in love. She ends up really loving the daughter. And then we're going to do a little thing, which we don't see that often in movies. We're going to do a double wedding. So it's going to be brother and sister marry. And then these two marry. And they live happily ever after. All right. If When this is filmed, they got to go full frontal. They got to show his dick. You have to show his dick. It's like uh, when they show the dick in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Mm-hmm. Just unexpected. Kind of funny. Think about the um, much, I mean, think about how much more money you will make if they go, you see Joe Manganiello's dick in this? Fucking let's go. All right. Well, that was really fun. And I think we both wrote some good movies. I was going to do as a romantic couple, Arnold and Sly. Oh my God. But I was like, I can't even begin. (laughs) That's probably on a lot of people's dream list, man. Because like last week we were joking about how, you know, Sly won't hard Cobra and stuff. (laughs) Hard (laughs) Cobra. I love it. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I don't know if you thought about this because this would be off top of the cup. Do you have an idea what you would name your movie? No, I, do, I didn't even think about I it. I didn't think about it either. If I it's would, a rom-com, I'll call it the perfect match. I would pro- so it's about a bowling alley. I would probably... Uh, oh, what? I'm looking forward to this because I have ideas. <laughs> well, I would probably name it something like creative. The studio would just intervene and be like, it's going to be called Lucky Strike. Or it's going to be called oh, yeah. Turkey. You know, it's yeah. going to be called something stupid. The ball return. The love return. No spares. Yeah. Bowling La- shoes. Laying to love. La- <laughs> Wax that wood. <laughs> Wax that wood. That's what it's called. Yeah. Unfortunately, a studio gets involved in stuff like this. And they, then ruins They'd it. probably buy the rights to a, a song and then just name it whatever the song's We called. like your idea, but we're going to recast everybody. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get back in the British pool. have any british bull seniors reach out to us yes uh, please you do gotta be a uh, critical question so unlike four weddings and a funeral most rom-coms don't get the best picture nom and oscar treatment however a big moment every year at mtv movie awards used to be the best kiss category jim what movie kiss comes to mind for you oh my god God. Do you remember Best Kiss? It was like oh, almost yeah. like the biggest. You hear all the teenagers in the yeah. crowd going, Ooh! The biggest, you know, even, and it's crazy to think like one of the memorable ones, at least from, from MTV and Best Kiss stands out, was from The Notebook. Oh, when God. Ryan yeah. Gosling, and they recreated it on stage and the producers didn't know they were going to do that. Unfortunately, I hate to even mention this because it's the first thing that pops into my head. Jack kissing Rose in Titanic. But that's the first thing that pops in my head. I wish it didn't, though. One that popped in my head immediately that we covered, Mr. Sam Wheat. Oh, yeah. One final kiss before Sam moves on. Ghost. There's actually two kisses. There's the one with Pottery Wheel. And then there's also the, like the ghost kiss like before he, uh, he goes never been kissed, which I want to cover on this podcast, but it's like, she never got that kiss and she writes her, you know, she gets exposed and she writes the uh, article saying, you know, if you love me, show yeah. up. And it's like, he doesn't show up on time. They're in the baseball stadium in front of everyone. And then I was bringing up Brokeback Mountain. Oh, yeah. Ennis and Jack, like when they first kiss, they like go, they like make out. Oh, they like time. go for it. They're like slamming each other against the wall and stuff. Like, it's not just like a romantic sort of kiss. So. Not Duncan Penderhuis kissing the one the one girl that takes advantage of him. I can't remember her name off the top hey, of my yo, head. Hey, yo, Demita. Yeah, Demita. I thought you were going to play with my frog. <laughs> uh, so this is the first time I've asked this on one of the 94 Best Picture nominees. Did this deserve to be nominated? Absolutely not. Do you think it was like a pity nomination? 
because they're like, well, it's never going to beat Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption. Here is what I quiz think. Show. They saw the amount of money it was racking in overseas, specifically England. Still, let's go to our location report on the making of another British film for Weddings and a Funeral. It was written by Richard Curtis and stars Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell and Christian Scott Thomas in a story that involves a group of friends, 11 wedding dresses and two people who belong but may never get together. We joined them all on the set in Hertfordshire. And I think it wasn't a pity nod more than they saw the power of that nomination, what it could do for the pockets of the executives over here, as well as spreading the movie market more in England. So I think if it was here, we're going to give you this big plate of bangers and mash. Thank you. You're not going to win, but we'll recognize it. Um, and I think that helped the industry, you know, quite a bit. Well, here are some other movies that could have been nominated in its place. If it was just a throwaway nomination where they're like, we just want to recognize that it, it's never going to win. Junior, Little Giants. Wow, Junior. Ma- the Mask with Jim Carrey, Clear and Present Danger, Nell, My Girl 2, Wyatt Earp, Angels in the Outfield, Interview with the Vampire, Above the Rim, and you mentioned earlier Ace Ventura. I interview with a vampire would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. That's not that great, but no, but street fighter. How about speed? Speed would have been awesome. That'd have been great. How about clerks? Which the uh, trailer just came out. There's a lot airheads. We covered in this podcast. Yeah. Milk money. Well, David McCall, keep him away from this whole scene. Hey, here, what's with that stammering? Do you want me to kill you? It all could have been different, Mr. Walker. You should have allowed nature to take its course. Get your ass over here, Demita, okay? The first thing I'll mention in logic, the glasses thing with Charles. They make it a point to have him like dramatically put on or remove his glasses. Especially when he's carrying two flutes of champagne, he has to take yes, the glasses off. and I've off. watched like enough Criterion movies and stuff. I can understand like film theory a little bit and stuff. And I'm like, they're trying to say something with him taking, and I'm like, I never figured it out because it's like, like at random times during this movie, he will either remove his glasses in a hurry or put them on. Like just ran. It's, it's weird. Does Charles not have a fucking job? Like what does Charles do? That's a good point. You never hear about it. So there's only like one, one scene in this movie, essentially, that's not a wedding or a funeral. And it is Charles wakes up. Shit. Scarlet has uh, Fuck. brought some tea into his bed and asks him what he's going to do. And he's like, it's, it's the first uh, day I haven't had a wedding in like. Morning, Charles. Breakfast's up. Mm. Well, it's a bit burnt. Excellent. What are you up to today? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the fact that for the first time in my entire life, I, it's Saturday and I don't have a wedding to go to. To me, all it seems that they do is party, drink, wake up late, and they don't know their schedule. But these people would not be this skinny. But they have these, like, nice flats and shit like that so they gotta have a job yeah we find out carrie wasn't engaged until after her and charles spent the night together but when they see each other three months later she's engaged i never noticed the ring i didn't even look either no so she met someone because at first i was like oh she was engaged when they slept together the first time but she just didn't say anything but she confirms it because she slept with charles before hamish so she confirms that she didn't meet hamish 
Hamish until after her and Charles. Yeah, slept Charles together. was 32. Hamish was 33. So within three months, she has met someone and agreed to marry them. I mean, my parents got engaged within a month of dating and they were married like 30 some years or whatever until my dad died. So like, it's possible. It's not yeah. that crazy, but it's just she met and got engaged to Hamish within three months. So if we're going to stick with Carrie, what the hell does Carrie do to afford her over to England all the time? Every every event, she flies over for the funeral. She flies over for at least two other weddings. So are we like assuming that she works for a bank or she is some well, sort of... If she is engaged to Hamish... I'm willing to bet she's living in Scotland, but maybe she's been living here the whole time. They don't really give us enough backstory other than she's just, no, she says I have to go back to the U.S. Yeah, she does say that, but why? But why? They could have just been like, she's an American working in. But other certain things don't add up too. It's like, why is the big Texan guy showing up again? Like all of a sudden, like what is he doing here? Did yeah. he knows them for this wedding? That's another thing that's weird. How do they all seem to know everybody that's yes. getting married, even the friends that aren't friends of the yes, friends? Yes, like exactly. Like, like what? I could see, okay, maybe Charles is invited all the weddings, but then it's like, would Matthew and Gareth be? Would Scarlett be? Would they all be married? And then it seems to me that like Bernard and his wife, when they had like the seating arrangements, why did they sit Charles with all of his exes? Do yeah. they not like him? I don't think they do. It's like, what the fuck? And then I'm thinking, okay, is that why Tom did the best man speech to call out Bernard? Yeah. Because what he did to Charles, did he throw a, a curveball? Uh, that's a good point. I don't know. I believe you and her went out there once. That's right. Charles was vile. He insisted on cracking jokes all the time I was ill. I was just trying to cheer you up, Pete. Oh, you're that Veronica. Which Veronica? Charlie? Remember Bombay? When that... Charles and I were going out, he told me he'd had this interesting journey around India with vomiting Veronica. I, I think that was it. I, I don't remember ever mentioning it. Maybe, maybe I did. Oh, come on, Charles. I don't think I've ever been out with anyone less discreet. Well, I don't think that's probably a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it, Mark? It is not. I remember you going on about this girl. Helena, was it? His mother made a pass at you. I remember this. <laughs> you couldn't work it out whether it would be impolite not to accept her advances. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I have, why is Carrie marrying Hamish? Like, it doesn't do her character any favors because they're obviously... He's older. Yeah, they're obviously portraying Hamish as, like, old and gross. So it makes it look like she's doing it for money. But... It makes you think that she probably is when she just cavalier throws it out that she slept with 33 yes, different people. Right. And it's like, so it's just strange. Like they don't do her character any favors. They kind of like write her character in a poor way. Now this didn't come across or come around till like later in the nineties. I could see Carrie possibly writing a book and she's sleeping with all these people for research. Well, like clerks are uh, um, mall oh, rats. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, is that possible? That would make more sense. Yeah, I don't know. So my next. We're not slut shaming. I mean. No, we're not. But that's kind of what they portray yeah. her as, even though it's the wrong actress to portray it as. How far was it from the castle to the pub in which Carrie was staying? Yeah. Because Charles asked for his friends to drop him off. And then he seems to just walk in the distance where nothing else is around. Yeah. Yeah. That whole scene, too, is like he finally has her and he's going to sit down and then that other guy starts talking to him. So, but then she tells the steward that that she is his wife and yeah. she's in room 12 and then she makes the move. Yeah. 
It's awesome. Charles gets engaged to his ex, Henrietta, who he calls Hen. Yes, I, I think I might say a little word. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as many of you know, I have been a close observer of Charles's love life for many years now, but recently I'd started to despair and fear that really he was married to us lot, apart from the fact that we both have his babies. <laughs> I don't know about that. Unfortunately, it's all turned out splendidly. The girl in question is sadly crazy, but perhaps that's why he loves her. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to propose a toast to my Charlie and his beautiful girl on this tragic day. So be happy and don't forget us. Thank you. To Charles and Duckface. Charles, Charles and Duckface. Duckface. And is going to get married within 10 months of being single. So he goes from single and within 10 months is married. But is he living with Henrietta? Is he? Are they actively dating? There's nothing implied. There's nothing. We don't know if they've been dating for 10 months. It, it seemed like she was a place where like she'll do. It, yes. I think it's after. I mean, I think they explain that it's like after the funeral. Yes, it's him Tom. and Tom have the conversation. And Tom's like, well, I don't, I don't need a, a 10. I just need somebody who loves my common Somebody interests. who loves me and, and we can settle down together. What if you never find the right girl? Sorry? Surely if that service shows anything, it, it shows that there is such a thing as a perfect match. You know, if we can't be like Gareth and Matthew, then uh, maybe we should just let it go. Some of us are not going to get married. Well, I don't know, Charlie. The truth is, unlike I, I you, I, I never expected the Thunderbolt. I always just hoped that, that I'd meet some nice, friendly girl. Like the look of her. Hope the look of me didn't make her physically sick. Then pop the question and um, settle down and be happy. And I think that really, like, wakes Charles up to say, like, well, shit, like, I do want to just settle down and get married. I don't want to be this, you know, polygamist or whatever, so... I think he settles for Henrietta, which I feel bad for her because she's an th innocent bystander throughout the movie. She's so distraught over, you know, cause she like corners him at the one wedding and like tells him he needs to settle down and stuff. But it's just the whole, again, what happens in the 10 months between the funeral and his own wedding. And also I kind of wish it would have been his friend. Yeah. But if it would have been his friend, that would have been real shitty that he, you know, ends up with Carrie anyhow. So. I mean, we didn't bring it up at best scenes, but the scene in which he is trapped in Bernard and his wife's room while they're having sex. Yeah. In that weird room that just has a sink. It in has it. a sink with like a door. But that brings up the fact as soon as he walks out, he comes across Duckface. Yeah. And then she just spills the beans. Oh, and yeah. Balls. Yeah. While they're still, you can hear them still having sex. And Bernard comes to the door and basically tells him, do you mind? having sex <laughs> yet he found the pencil well it's funny because they don't bernard tries to like get with her at the first wedding yeah and she's like oh Dismissed i'm not them. that desperate how's it going lids bloody awful oh dear what's the problem i was promised sex everybody said it you'll be a bridesmaid you'll get sex you'll be fighting them off but not so much as a tongue in sight well i mean if you fancy it anything i could always oh don't be ridiculous bernard i'm not that desperate no right of course fair enough it's a good point but don't they they end up having yeah sex they, end up having they, sex get married. And they get married so any uh any logic left for you negative okay. i just well i want to mention real quick that the one thing that i did find quite shitty is the fact that charles dismisses fiona's love for him yeah it's like logically don't you think that 
Well, it's just a lot of things in this movie, in my opinion, just need explained a little bit more because there's a delicate balance between like exposition and telling us like show us, don't tell us. But it's like there's a couple scenes in this movie, like the thing with Matt and Gareth. I wish they would have explained a little bit more clearly. And the thing with him, it's Fiona. Yeah. The thing with Fiona, I just wish he would have been like, if I had known sooner, I'm sorry, I'm in love. But they just they don't do that. Then again, that could have torn the friend dynamic. It could have. Yeah. But then again, if Matthew and Gareth were with each other. Yeah. Were they with each other secretly or did the rest of the friends know? No, I think it was secret. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the legacy of this movie? I mean, not too many rom-coms get a best picture nomination. Cause you think about like 27 dresses and yeah. bride wars and stuff like that. And you're like never in a million years, uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days, stuff like that just does not get nominated. Mannequin, mannequin, mannequin two on the move. Oh uh, no. <laughs> there's a 2019 Hulu series called four weddings and a funeral. It's the same premise, but it's like a wholly different thing. Nah. There's still four weddings and a funeral, but it's like they reunite like it, it's They're different. They're piggyback. And off their name. Yes. And then also in 2019, One Red Nose Day and a Wedding was released by BBC. It was shown in both England and the United States. It's a 12 minute short but it was aired on television. It takes place 25 years after the original movie and it reunites or most of the surviving cast. It's Charles and Carrie's daughter's wedding where their daughter marries Fiona's daughter. Oh, okay. And it was, can't remember who, but they cast two bigger named actresses to play the the daughters. So a, a lot of people were clamoring for it. Like people yeah. were like genuinely excited. It tells you that a lot of people really do love this movie. It's like Jim said, I don't need to go back and read visit this one good movie fine movie yeah i just don't need to go back and watch it again and i i feel like in a way it might have got like a pity invite i will say before we we wrap this up we didn't talk enough about how good the character of scarlet is yeah as well yes unfortunately the actress who played her passed away yeah 2001 just, yeah she passed away in 2001 oh yeah she uh she had an asthma attack, but she was said she wasn't feeling good. She had an asthma attack by herself after her family said, why don't you not go home? But she ended up passing. She played a tremendous role. In oh, this she movie. was so great. She was so funny. Like when she was under the table with that little girl and she all of a sudden starts talking about like the bad sex she had. And the little girl was like, yeah, what, what's a what's a knob? She's like, it's like table tennis. Yeah. Like, it took me a while. Again, another one of those exposition things, because it took me a while to figure out what her relationship to Charles was. Yeah. Because they live together. They're flatmates, but it's almost like like best friends. They're like best friends. Or I was like, are they brother, sister? And it's like, I had to go back and double check before I did my notes. Are Charles and David actually brothers? Like they don't give us. Good thing they said that they were brothers because we'd be like, what is this? Because throughout the whole, the opening scenes of this movie is everyone like getting cars and going to a wedding, but you don't know who they are in proximity. Because I'm like, oh, Gareth is all of their dad and they're all siblings. See, this would be like the big chill, but at least with the big chill, you know, who everybody is and who they're yes, related to. Right, exactly. All right, uh, stick around for some plugs. Here at the pump room in Bath, we've invited the regulars along to talk about what they think are the usual cakes. Beautiful patisserie. Delicious. Everything's superb. I think it's excellent. What we didn't tell them was that we used half fat delight double. Most people said. I couldn't tell the. No, any difference. Delectable, absolutely delectable. I didn't know. Oh, it's a Yes. <laughs> if it's delicious and light, it's delight. 
pool sceners. Thank you once again for checking out the podcast this week. And don't forget, if you guys missed an episode, check us out. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast listening sites. And while you're there, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow. Hey, you leave us a five-star review on Apple, we choose it, you win a prize. It's just that easy. Also, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, at Pool Scene Podcast. Also, TikTok. Yo, we're trendy, at Pool Scene Pod 1. And once again, guys, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And now, back to Kevin. Back to me for just a second, and then I'm going to ping pong it over to Jim for the first time ever with our contest information. So, Pool Sceners, we want to give back to you. So, we want to do a little contest for you. I'm going to give you a movie quote. You pool sceners have to go on to our Facebook page at Pool Scene Podcast. Give us the answer. The first one to get it will win a special movie of our choosing. Maybe it's the movie that you're actually getting the quote from. You will find out. Just go ahead and send us a message. Here is the quote. Hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? Now, let us know what that movie is. Hit us up on Facebook at Pool Scene Podcast. If you are the first to win, hey, Pinocchio, where are you going? You win. Back to Kevin. Well, I hope that you give them a movie that's autographed by Telly Savalas and Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> That'd be great. Kojak I, with a Kodak. Yes. A little slower through the British countryside, but they're big fans of F1, right? Oh, huge. Lewis Hamilton, yeah, man. There you go. So they got a bunch of, I don't know where I'm going, but fuck it. Final lap guy. Yeah. The final lap. So first, we'd like to thank the pool scener who has asked to remain nameless, who sent us a McDonald's Happy Meal, Michael Jordan fitness frisbee thing. Awesome. So you are either embarrassed to be a pool scener (laughs) or you've got some big fancy job or whatever and don't want us to blow your cover. But either way, a sincere thank you. It's also sealed. It'll look nice here in the studio or we'll Haley Joel Osment it. And pay it forward as a future giveaway. Yes, we totally appreciate it, guys. Thank you for listening because you wouldn't have known about that unless Kevin brought it up on the show. So thank you, Kevin. What you got? So we saw a concert. Yes, we did. We saw, we went to Cleveland. We went to, uh, made me feel real fucking old. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We went to, so we made a little bit of a day of it. We went to some saver stores. We went to Medina Antique Mall, which is real nice. Awesome. I would really like for a lot less Nazi and Ku Klux Klan members. Memorabilia. Which you'd have the Nazi flag next to a signed script of Forrest Gump. It's just like yeah. the weirdest next to a Care Bear. Yeah, but a lot of stuff to see there. We had a good time. We went to two Saver stores in two completely different neighborhoods. You found a Vokey Wedge. I found a Titleist Vokey Wedge that for two bucks, it sells for like 50 to 60 bucks. Yeah. Which awesome. is a great find. So we went to, uh, we had some some margaritas. Uh, we had yeah. some, some dinner, some lunch, and uh, we went to the concert which was toad the wet sprocket who played so most of our audience i would say only knows one toad the wet sprocket song that's all i want uh, i'm pretty sure me and you only knew that one as well and they played it in the middle of the set and they were about an octave or two lower okay so kevin i researched i looked online i found a video of them playing it at red rocks i'm gonna play it right now sounds just like what we heard prepare to be disappointed (laughs) 
it doesn't sound like the yeah, same it's like song. An octave or two lower. But end. then, like I told you, and, you, and you even said to me, "Oh, they're getting older." But then the gin yeah. blossoms comes up. The guy sounds exactly they the sound same. Great. So Nautica holds five thousand people, and it was ninety nine percent full. I mean, surprise, hundred percent full. Really day, nice day, nice night for it. There we was, sat uh, three miles up in the bleachers on purpose. Yes. Yeah, and then, workout. Uh, yeah, and then there was uh, almost some weird fight behind us the woman in front of me would not let me uh enjoy any of the show super nice ultra nice really drunk <laughs> very drunk would not stop who t- didn't sit next to her husband touching my knee and me and her husband are shooting the shit a lot but yeah. why did she not sit next to her husband i don't understand i told my wife my wife's like she was gonna invite you back like you guys they wanted you guys to come back and we uh, got out of there before that happened yeah so but she yeah she kept touching my knee she kept like asking me questions and stuff i mean let's be completely honest here folks that was a milf parade there oh yeah i if, well i asked you about the ratio and you're like oh no girls there and i was like no nah, i think it's gonna be a lot if you went i'm gonna go there melissa in concert i'm gonna go home with somebody oh, yeah You'd have no problem. Oh, no. If you were single in your late 30s, early through, 40s, through early 50s, there were people there in their 60s. Yeah, it was definitely you, you could get clean up on some trim. The best way I could explain it is imagine your high school reunion with the people you went to with the high school. You just saw them for the yes. first time again. That's that what was, made me feel old. It. Yeah. So then Bare Naked Ladies headline, they played a lot of new songs, which I don't know their new songs from their old songs. I didn't either. So they played all these new songs. But a great band or a great interactive band. So then you and I, I was like, hey, let's let's kind of walk towards the door. And right as we were walking towards the door, they're playing one week. And then they played uh, uh, if I had a million dollars. So I'm thinking they didn't do an encore, but we were uh, listening as we walked to the car. Not too, too terrible to get out of the flats. And then we uh, got home at a. Well, I got one home one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I late, was beat. I mean, late for us, but not all that late. For, the funny uh, thing is that when I used to DJ, I wouldn't get home till three, four in the morning. Yeah. I was fine. Yeah. Now I'm like, I can't do it. I go to bed now at like nine o'clock every night because I get up early. So. Most of the time I crawl into bed at like eight 45 yeah. and then I'm out by 10, which is great. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'd be like, man, I would like to stay up to 11 o'clock. And then when I do, I'm like, it's horrible. So after this episode, I think it's pretty much just bangers here on out. We're going to finish the season with Forrest Gump, our last entry into the 1994 best picture noms. And would you consider Forrest Gump a banger? Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert. It won best picture kevin and i have lined up guests for the season they're gonna have some returning and some new guests this year and with it being a banger year normally what kevin and i do is we'll do 10 mainline episodes and maybe one or two swim meet series so mainly 12 episodes there's a damn good possibility this year folks because we have a lot on our backlog that we've wanted to cover because we compiled a list of movies when we created this podcast some we've never got to oh my god this season might go to 15 there's a a damn good possibility it's going to be a banger season Hope you guys kick back and enjoy it. It's going to be the best. Real banger year in the Bender household. Join us again next week. Valencia.